Sarah Witz and Anthony Gare are a soon-to-be husband and wife real estate investing team focused on wholesaling, flipping, and the Burr strategy. Two oil and gas employees from Houston, Texas, who decided to take advantage of the extra time they had after their wedding was delayed by the COVID pandemic. They started investing less than 12 months ago and already have 13 deals under their belt. At the beginning of 2021, they set a goal for themselves of earning $100,000 in three months from real estate investing. And as of this recording, they are just $15,000 away from that goal. In this episode, we talked to Anthony and Sarah about how they got into their first Burr property for less than $10,000, the multiple exit strategies that they use to make use of nearly every deal they come across, why they now have a rule against doing any rehabs after dark, and the key expense many people forget about when buying a property to wholesale, flip, or burr. I'm Brittany. And I'm Neil. And this is The Road to Family Freedom. Before we get to this week's show, we'd like to make you aware of something. We are self-storage investors. We buy existing self-storage facilities and vacant buildings that can be converted to self-storage in the Sun Belt. We buy them with cash and some with loans, and we use private lenders who become equity partners in our deals. These equity partners share in the cash flow and the profits when we sell. When we find a deal that we are considering, we call the equity partners and offer them a share of the ownership secured by the property. So if you've ever driven by a self-storage facility and thought, I wonder who owns those things, and you have any interest in learning more about the storage business, we'd love to chat with you. Head on over to roadtofamilyfreedom.com slash storage. That's roadtofamilyfreedom.com slash S-T-O-R-A-G-E and set up a time to chat. We look forward to speaking with you. All right, enough out of us. Let's hit the road to family freedom. Well, Sarah Witz and Anthony Gareth, welcome to the Road to Family Freedom. Thanks for having us. Thank you. We appreciate it. Absolutely. So you guys are new real estate investors relatively, but you, in less than one year, you've done 13 deals. Before we dig into those deals, can you give us kind of a quick story of how you got into real estate investing? Yeah. So I have a couple of mentors that are heavily involved in real estate and they have been trying to get me to invest, you know, for the last four or five years and I've been just kind of, you know, pushing it off. <laughs> and so finally... You know, Sarah and I just thought that, you know, during the coronavirus pandemic thing that since we're both working from home, this was the perfect opportunity for us to really dive in, learn as much as we possibly could and, and get the thing going. Right. And so once we f- figured out how to you know, run the numbers, figured out who the big players were in town, how to find the deals and analyze deals, et cetera, we felt that um, this was a perfect opportunity to get started. So, you know. Most people would say the best time to start getting into real estate is maybe not during a, a global pandemic. But I, I like that you guys just like, hey, we got we're working from home now. We got some extra time. We're gonna go for it. There's always yep. something that works. <laughs> so the mentorship that you were doing was that primarily focused on wholesaling, flipping. What was it focused on? Focused on rental properties, right? And so that's kind of how we got started. You know, really turnkey. Right. So they were just saying, you know, buy, buy something, put 20 percent down, you know, uh, and they just continue to do that. And so for us, we were like, well, you know, if we buy a property for 100,000, we got to put 20,000 20, down. Well, we can only buy so many of those. Right. And so we wanted to figure out how we can invest without having to put too much money down. And so that's kind of how we discovered the Burr strategy. Right. I'm sure you guys have heard of that. And so our first deal, we only put 6,000 down. And so just continue to, to, to utilize that strategy. And then we kind of incorporated flips and wholesales, just continue to build capital to buy more. So, 
All right. So since you mentioned it, let's dig into that first deal. What what did that first deal look like? Sure. So this is a deal we found. The MLS was listed for like 45 days and Anthony called. It was listed at 145000 and we could only offer like ninety three. So we called. They said no. And then we called back. They said no. We probably went back and forth with them for a couple weeks, maybe a month or so. And then finally, they, they accepted our offer at 93000 so we uh, purchased it for 93 and we were going to do a $15,000 rehab. So we used a hard money lender and they gave us 75% of the ARV. So the ARV was 145. So the hard money lender gave us 108. So the 108 covered the 93 purchase and the $15,000 rehab. So all we had to come out of pocket was the closing costs, which was the $6,000 he was talking about. So we fixed it up and refinanced, pulled our money out. And now we're in a 30-year conventional loan and we have tenants and everything. It was actually one of our easiest properties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, they always say the first one's the easiest. Yeah. So. Gotcha. And then did you, obviously, hard money lender, do you recall what your first time, first time real estate investors, what were the points and uh, interest rate like? Yeah, so our, we had two points on origination, and the interest rate was 10% for a year. And if you go over a year, you'd have to pay some more points to kind of extend that. That's actually not all that bad for... Yeah. yeah. To be honest, I actually think it was it was lower than that. I think it was like 6.99, and then it went up to... Oh. And then it goes up to 14 after two months. two months. Yeah, so we got out of it like within basically six weeks. So yeah, I mean it was like six point nine nine for the first couple, you know, couple weeks, few weeks. Yeah, for sure. We have nice. two lenders to work with, so I'm thinking about the guy we work with that does the longer <laughs> term or longer term loans yeah. as opposed to the two months, because the two months kind of makes me worried because then you jump up to that fourteen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything that you think is going to take longer than two months, you're kind of risking it a little bit. And then, uh, did you swing the hammers yourself? Oh no. <laughs> no, we're not people at all, um, and I would love to be, but my concern with us actually doing a rehab as opposed to hiring a general contractor is that it's going to take us way longer to do it than if we just hired general contractors. So the money you're saving or money we would save doing it by ourselves, we would make up an interest from the hard money lender. So we typically hire a general contractor to do it all for us. How did you, how did you find someone? Is that someone that you've worked with since then or? Yeah, so we have kind of our go-to guy, and we found him just through networking. I mean, one of my mentors does a lot in the Houston area. Uh, I met him at a bar. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She kicked me out of the house. I wanted to watch the LSU game. Uh, I did not take him out. I was having something. We were were getting married in April. So I was having something done with, like, my girlfriends for some bachelorette bridal stuff. Yeah. yeah, so I went to the bar watching the game. Guy sat right next to me. We started, you know, having a conversation. He said that he did real estate, uh, and I was like, "Wow, we want to do real estate." You know, can you teach us? And so we sat down, had lunch with him. We picked his brain a little bit. He referred us to a couple contractors, and here we are, <laughs> eleven months later. So yeah, awesome. You know, we often talk about, you know, don't ask other real estate investors for contractor referrals because they're almost always not going to give you their best guy. Do you, is there anything uh, about this guy that made you feel more comfortable about working with him? He's an older guy. And so, 
you know, I don't, I don't think that he felt like I was a threat or that I was going to, you know, be taking deals from him because he's a multifamily, right? So he's not looking for these one-offs or single family deals. So the contractor was only at the property for three, four or five weeks. So, you know, I don't, I don't think he saw me as competition. So he was more than happy to help. You, so you have that first property, you've done 13 deals in less than a year, which is a lot for new investors. Is there anything, I mean, you got had your mentors, is there anything else that you feel you've brought to the table that's made it, that's allowed you to do this well, so quickly? When we first started out, we were very tied to doing the burr strategy. So if a property didn't work as like a burr, then we would pass on it. And then we kind of had this realization that we were passing on too many deals. Mm-hmm. So that's when we kind of started saying, okay, well, if we know how to do a burr, we, we know how to do a flip. And since we've learned the process... I think we could probably do wholesales too. So if we had a property under contract and we couldn't use it as a rental property, we decided we would flip it. And if it wouldn't work at the flip, then we would wholesale it. Whichever way is the fastest way we can do it and still make money. That's kind of what we were going to do. And then that, that mindset shift has really enabled us to move faster and really supercharge our investing and growing our portfolio. You bring up a great point, which is something I think so many people forget about, which is to have multiple exit strategies when you go into a deal, you know, going into a deal, we're going to wholesale this deal, but oh, actually this might make a good flip. All right, let's do it as a flip. Oh, actually it might actually make a good long-term burr, hold it as a burr. And so you've always got, when you go into a deal, you're not having to go, nah, it doesn't fit our criteria. You've got multiple criteria. You can say, yep, we're going to keep this one. No, we're going to, we're just going to flip the contract or no, we're going to, we're just going to flip it because we don't think it's going to make a good rental or the timing's not right or whatever. Is that kind of how the the mindset you guys have? Yeah, absolutely. So right now we're kind of steering away from doing rentals just because we're trying to, we're getting married in April. So we're kind of slowing down on that and want to be out of a property more quickly. And we want to move into multifamily. So being able to shift the strategies you're doing has been very important for us to make sure we're kind of keeping up with what we're doing personally, as well as with our investing. What are you doing? How are you marketing for deals? So we use the MLS. I got my real estate license, which which has helped tremendously because we save a lot on the commission and deals that might not necessarily work for someone will work for us. And then we can also make deal make offers way more quickly and analyze them more quickly. So we do MLS deals. We also go go door knocking. He does a lot of cold calling. Yeah, yeah. And then and then we work with wholesalers too. Is there an area that you guys are focused on? I mean, yeah, there's a couple of zip codes that we like to focus on, but the market is just so crazy right now that we don't really have the luxury of just identifying one specific zip, zip code. So, you know, we're open to really anything in Houston as long as the numbers work and the streets, you know, desirable for someone that wants to, to buy it or lease it out, get it, you know, evaluate as many deals as possible right now. So, gotcha. And what would you say are some of the, what's some of the thought process that you go through on whether to decide to wholesale, flip, or burr it? So in the past, we would always, when we first started, we were like, okay, ever, we want to do burrs. On anything we can, that's, that's our strategy is to do a burr. Recently, we've decided we want to do more flips and wholesales because we're trying to gain more capital so we can get into the multifamily. Honestly, doing a wholesale deal would probably be better just because you're in and out more quickly. You have less less risk, and you're probably making around the same amount of money. Um, so if we can wholesale, that's kind of our first option. If we're making way more money on doing a flip, we would, we would do that. Sometimes the numbers don't work for us where it would work for a more seasoned investor who has, who's doing the, the work themselves and not using a general contractor or who has, who's paying cash or who has different terms with their, 
their hard money lenders to make it work a little better as a flip than it would for us. Yeah. How many have you held on to? So six we, rentals? yeah, six rentals. We've done three flips and then we have done four wholesales. And then I have a couple under contract right now that I'm, I'm trying to move. It's been difficult, but <laughs> hopefully I can find a buyer for them. So. Nice. Gotcha. Uh, and what are the rentals like? They're all single family homes. Yeah. And are they, I mean, they're, they're all positive cash flow. Yeah. Yeah. That's so when we learned one of the biggest things for us when we first got started was learning how to run the numbers accurately. Um, so we always build in some buffer in there too, to make sure that we have money set aside for vacancy, money set aside for maintenance. And then if we just get to keep that, that's just an extra added bonus, but definitely positive cash flow. Yeah. And our strategy is to only hold them for about a year and a day and then do a 1031 and, and use that, um, the capital gain to put it into another property, either multifamily or single family. So, um, you know, we're looking to basically get in and out in about a year. So, so even, even the ones that you're holding, your plan is to only hold them for about a year. Correct. Gotcha. And is the, you know, I know the Houston market is doing pretty well right now because it got kind of, it was quite a bit of opportunity that came about because of hurricane Harvey. Is it still an appreciating market? Yeah, so the different neighborhoods are definitely appreciating very quickly. Right now, it's really difficult to find deals just because there's just not that many houses for sale and everyone's looking for houses. So if there's something listed on the MLS and it's ARV, which is after repair values, like 145, it's listed at 130 and people are paying like 150 for it. it I don't know how people are making these work, yeah, if they're homeowners or not, but the market's definitely, definitely difficult to get deals right now. Yeah. Yes, we're, we're well aware. Oh yeah. No, yeah, it's yeah. somebody, I think I've seen a meme going around where remember, you know, uh, remember back in March when it was really hard to find toilet paper. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's too funny. And it's like, it's, I don't know that it's bad because I don't wish like ill, you know, um, things on other people, but with everything with the pandemic, it was kind of like, well, there's, a decent likelihood that down the road we're going to see like a cascade of where people lost their job and then finally couldn't pay for, you know, we're getting foreclosures or things are changing and it doesn't seem like that really happened. And, and that's probably a good thing. That means that like maybe there was some regulatory stuff that helped people not lose their homes. I don't want to even lose their homes, but you know, it was just, it was one of those things that we were kind of expecting and then just really, the opposite happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and speaking of foreclosures, like she just finished the book uh, about auctions, so that'll be kind of our next step too, uh, is to look at how we can buy you know, homes at auction, and, and maybe that's like a niche that not too many people are involved in. So um, we'll probably try to dive into that after the um, after the wedding. So gotcha. And I'm sorry, you guys were planning on getting married, and then the pandemic hit. My apologies. What, so what's what's the plan there? So we were supposed to get married July 4th of 2020. And honestly, it, it kind of was a blessing that we uh, had to hold off because we really got to dive into our real estate investing. Yeah. And I don't think if we had pushed, if we didn't push the wedding back, then I don't think we would have really jumped in as, as quickly and as deep as we did. Yeah. But we pushed the wedding to April. So I think we're like 40 days or something away. <laughs> so it's been crazy, but it's been fun. That's exciting. I uh, well, congratulations to you both. Thank you. I I can't. I think I, I can't remember where I read this recently, but somebody was talking about the curse of weddings. 
and mainly the curse of expensive weddings that people, you know, that when they, they don't do the math on a $50,000 wedding and what you could do, you know, especially if you're a new couple who's trying to start a life together, what you could do with that $50,000 to jumpstart your life, you know, not to begrudge anybody a really nice wedding. We had a really gorgeous wedding. We did, but we didn't pay for it. We didn't pay for it. <laughs> you know, spoiled. Yes, but it it's just the sort of the thing, you know, you have to so you're asking yourselves that question is whether or not we would have done the same thing had we already had the wedding, you know, because now you're suddenly you've got a life together and now you now it's time to start building a, you know, get a house and things like that. Is that sort of kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, so we just the wedding planning in general just took up a lot of time. So pushing it back a year gave us more time to plan it, so it gave us more time to kind of jump into real estate. And so instead of going to cake tastings on the weekends, we were looking for deals. But yes, also the money part of it, we also are very fortunate my parents are helping us with the wedding. But it's just crazy to think if we took that money and instead of having a, having a wedding that lasted a weekend, it's like how many houses could be? Mm-hmm. And we talk about that all the time. But like we're, we're very excited to have the wedding, very uh, thankful that my parents are helping with the whole thing. But it's just like, wow. We could have really bought some some other houses. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Speaking of that, you know, fifty thousand dollars. If you if someone had fifty thousand dollars today that they could use to invest in something, what do you think that you would recommend that they do with it? I think probably the bird strategy. You know, I think realistically you could probably buy depending on your market, obviously, you know, two, three, four single family homes with fifty thousand. Um, and even maybe have some left over, you know, but I think the most important, you know, aspect of it all is maybe having a mentor that can actually teach you how to do real estate, how to invest, how to find the deals. Because I mean, if you have $50,000, you don't really know what you're doing. Like you'll probably lose it really fast. So maybe investing just a little bit in, in like a, a mentorship program. Uh, and then I would probably focus on the birth strategy for sure. One of the things you love about the birth strategy is this: the possibility of being able to recycle your capital. You know, you're you're forcing uh, the appreciation of the property. You know, by improving it, and hopefully, you can get most or all of your capital back. All right. So, how much time do you think you guys are spending on this? Oh my god! So when I wasn't going to the office when this whole thing started, I was working from home. So now that I'm going back into the office, we'll wake up at like five a.m. We'll do work. We'll go to the gym. And then we do work probably for two to three hours in the morning before I go to the office. And then during my lunch break, I take an hour and I'm doing real estate. And then we get home around five and we're doing real estate till like 10 or 11. During the weekends, we're doing it all day, every day. But yeah, it keeps us very busy. It takes yeah. a lot of time. So. I think, I think after the wedding, we'll probably got to try to build systems that will allow us to have more of our time to do other things. But like, I mean, we're both working full time and doing real estate full time. You know, again, the pandemic has um, slowed down a little bit, but you know, we're we're at home, so it's not like we would have been able to do many other things. Mm-hmm. Really so it's kind of kind of worked out in our favor. But once things kind of slow down with the pandemic, we want to make sure we have enough systems in place so that you know, we can enjoy life as well, right? Yeah, so, yeah. So you can continue to to excel, but not have that be your entire life. Yeah, <laughs> And one of our hesitations, too, with doing the systems beforehand was we kind of just wanted to prove to ourselves that we could do this whole real estate investing thing and make money from it before we started spending money, more money on just like having systems in place. Yeah. But now we're at the point where it's like if we want to 
if we want to grow as much as we want to grow, we really need to automate a lot of things and we need to pay for it. So spend money, make more money. So that leads into my next question. If you could throw money at something to remove you from it, what would you be spending money on? Marketing. Yeah. Marketing lead generation for sure. I just spent a lot of time on the phone, you know, talking to potential clients that want to mm-hmm. sell, talking to buyers all the time, like, like she mentioned earlier, knocking on doors, you know, passing on cards. It's just a lot of time yeah. and we enjoy doing it. But I think if, if there was a way that we can automate it or just spend a little bit of money on it, I think that would definitely be helpful for the business. Yeah. Do you guys do letters or anything? We've tried. So... We, we've done letters, we do like a mailing campaign. We didn't have any responses from that. What, we, what really worked for us is cold calling and actually going door knocking because it's a lot easier for people to be rude to you over the phone or hang up on you or knock at a hold of someone. But when you knock on someone's door, a lot of times they'll answer. And if you're standing there and you're like a little bit likable, they're not going to be mean to you and slam the door in your face. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely have a face to the name has shown that that's worked for us. Yeah. And how do you start the conversation? So if I'm if I'm knocking on somebody's door, I'm somebody like you know, hey, uh, we're in the neighborhood. Uh, we just bought a house a couple streets over. Just wanted to stop by to see if there's maybe any interest in selling your home for cash, or if you know anybody that'd be interested in a cash offer. And that's it. I mean, some people are like, no, no, think about it. Okay, well, here's our card. You know, reach out if you have questions, and then. No, I can always skip trace that address. So I'll, you know, I'll have my phone or tablet, and I'll write down that specific address that showed a little bit of interest, and I'll follow up in a couple of days or a week and say, "Hey, I'm the guy that's, you know, that talked to you on Wednesday of last week. Said they were slightly interested. Just wanted to, you know, reach out to see if, you know, you had, had, had any questions or if you're ready to move forward type of deal." So that's typically how the conversation goes. Gotcha. Uh, are you working off any kind of particular list? Or are you just looking? You're just sort of driving for dollars and looking for. Uh, places that look a little beaten up? Yeah, so driving for dollars physically and virtually. So uh, one of the things that I've done is, you know, when a house is posted, right, like a, a, a fixer-upper was just posted online, I'll get an email and I'll, I'll actually drive that same street. And so um, in doing that, I know that, one, investors like the area because they've already spent money. And two, uh, that area may be turning. And so I've kind of gotten some luck doing that. So I'll drive down that street, that particular street, or around the corner and find houses that are distressed and then just call and uh, and have the conversation to see if they're interested in the cash offer. So, Gotcha. Are there any apps or any sort of, um, uh, is there any software or anything that you're using to sort of help you in your business? Yeah, I was using the Deal Machine app a little bit. But it was kind of getting confusion, uh, confusing because I had my own Excel spreadsheet and then I was using Deal Machine. And so I just kind of scrapped it and just had my own um, Excel doc. But like I, like I said, after the wedding, we'll probably have a uh, software. We can just kind of have everything. We can kind of see everything in one view. So if you have any apps that you recommend or any softwares, we're <laughs> more than happy to. I, don't, I, used, I used Deal Machine for a little while as well. I use Trello a little bit as kind of a processes uh, set up. I cut sort of, as I start to do something, I try to document uh, sure. what I'm doing. I'll use a software called loom L O O M.com, uh, which allows you to sort of do little quick screen recordings and then you can post it. It's like your own little personal YouTube. And so if I'm, if I'm trying, if I'm going through a process that I know eventually I'm going to want to try and get somebody else to do, I try to document 
sure. what it is that I do and the process as best I can and then delegate document and yeah. delegate. Yeah. We have a couple of um, other podcast episodes that deal with people who use a lot of like virtual assistants. So people in, um, you know, other countries to, to do a lot of different things for them. And that might be something since you guys do a lot of speaking to pe like yeah. actually having conversations with people that might be a part of your process that you could bring someone in. And Neil Bawa is the main one that talks about really goes through detailed on how he finds people and, you know, his process for, you know, he has someone who's his like head person and she like has his bank account number and stuff. So he's like basically, you know, created this team and he has created these relationships. Um, and so anyway, it's a, it's a cool episode. It might be something that that would be helpful for you guys because you can only use so many, you know, just like apps or things for some things, but for what you guys are doing with the wholesaling piece or, you know, trying to buy in that, that way, you really need like an actual person probably. Yeah, no, I'll definitely check that podcast out for sure. Yeah. And so you would say this is right now, this is pretty much like a second job. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. For both of you. Are you both putting in about 40, an additional 40 hours a week? Probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we enjoy it, right? We've only been doing it for a year, but it's it's just not something that we want to do you know, forever, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tired, I mean, if we can just put systems in place that'll, you know, at least cut cut the time in half. Like I said, we we still enjoy it. We want to be uh, actively involved in the business. Uh, I think it'll just kind of free up time to focus on other other aspects of the business. So yeah, gotcha. That's awesome. Can you tell us why you no longer do renovations in the dark? Oh sure. <laughs> we got our, our rental property, one of our first rental properties, and I it was nighttime. We were showing my parents like the night before the tenant moved in or whatever. We're like, look how cool it looks, whatever. So, so exciting. So what it looked like before is so what it looked like after. And I wanted to change the mailbox out. And so I was very adamant about changing the mailbox out. So my dad's standing there and he's like shaking the old mailbox. And he's standing there and he's shaking it, trying to pull it out of the ground. And he's like, oh my God, I have ants all over me. So he is standing there in the middle of the street and starts taking his pants off. He has his boxers on and he has cowboy boots on. So he's standing out in the middle of the street with his boxers on and his cowboy boots. And he has ants all over his legs. No. And they're inside his cowboy boots. It was horrible. So you take his boots off. We're like, okay, fine. We'll come back later. We'll move. We'll change the mailbox. And on the way back to our house, he's like falling over in the front seat. And he's like, driving. He's driving. And he's like, I don't feel so good. And my dad is like, never doesn't feel good. Doesn't ever show emotion like this. Very like straight face guy. And so he's like, I really don't feel good. And I was like, we need to pull over. My mom's sitting in the front seat. She's a um, physician's assistant. So kind of knows what's going on. And she's like, oh, it's okay, whatever. So he pulls over, we pull into a parking lot. And I get out of the car and I'm like, I'm going to call the police. Because my dad at this point is like not answering questions and stuff. So I run on the street and calling the police. I'm like, I need an ambulance. I have no idea where I am. So I'm on the phone with them. And I get back and it was my dad's like on the street laying or yeah, on the street in the parking lot. Thank God he was there to pull this man out, my dad out of the car because I don't know how my mom and I would have got him out of the car. Thank God my mom was there because she knew like what position to put him in, like what to do. She was talking to the ambulance people saying, okay, we need epi, we need all this other stuff. Cause they're asking me all these questions. I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> and I'm freaking out and I'm like screaming like, where are you guys? Cause I'm, I've never seen this before. Ambulance shows up and thank God they showed up when they did because he was, my mom said that his like heart stopped or something. I don't know. 
but he's allergic to ants. Oh, he, he went to the hospital that night. It was tragic. This was during COVID, so no one could go back into the ER or anything. And oh my God, it was horrible. So we don't do in renovations at night because he was standing in an ant pile, but he's fine. And now we joke about it. So <laughs> it's great, but it was, it was terrifying. Yeah, it was crazy. Wow. I was saying they're screaming on the phone. Where's the ambulance? Yelling at the, oh my God, I was wow. That can't be a common allergy. I mean, like everyone, like it makes you itchy, but like that extreme, like anaphylactic shock allergy. They, were they fire ants? I don't even know. He has yeah. an EpiPen now. Okay. Wow. Yeah. It was just like everything happened really well. So like he was there to pull him out of the car. My mom was there to know what to do. I called the ambulance. Like everything just lined up super well. And if it hadn't, I don't know if it would. Yeah, it might have been way worse. I'm glad he's okay. Lesson, <laughs> less, lesson learned. Don't renovate in the dark in areas where there's, you know, aggressive insects. <laughs> no, I, I was expecting, I was like, did he get bit by like a black widow or a brown recluse or something? Like, <laughs> I was like. That's the joke too. He's like, oh my God, I almost got taken out by a little ant. Like it wasn't even cool. Like it was ants. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It's a running joke now. Yeah. Well, I'm glad he's, I'm glad he's okay. So you you did a paid, you did a paid mentorship to, to learn, correct? Yeah. Yeah, we did. It was, um, a shorter two, like weekend course. Okay. Um, and we really did that to kind of learn how to run the numbers. And so that the biggest takeaway from that was how to run the numbers and be confident with that. So, and g- give us a quick, you know, I mean, I, I sort of know the answer to this, but for, you know, somebody who's kind of new and maybe, you know, what are some of the key things you're looking for when you're trying to run the numbers on a property? So you want to know what the AR, the biggest thing is what's the ARV because that's what your, the hard money lender is going to lend on. ARV again is the after repair value. So it's the first thing you need to know. You need to know if you're doing reverse strategy, you need to know what the rent's going to be. Is this going to actually cash flow for you? And then you need to know taxes. If there's an HOA, basically what are your monthly expenses? missing one more. Oh, what's your renovation budget? So how much is this going to take to fix up? So once you have all those numbers, you can calculate what's your ROI, which is your return on investment. You can calculate what your uh, unrealized capital gain is, your um, return on capital gain. You can calculate all these different numbers that you want to calculate to realize that this is a good deal. But those are the things that you need to have first in order to calculate everything. And don't forget holding costs. Oh, well, yes. That was one of our lessons learned is what's your holding cost? So while you're rehabbing it, how much money are you paying for utilities? How much money are you paying for interest? How much are you paying on taxes? All the other stuff, because that will that will drastically change your numbers. Uh, distance. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, we heard so, yes. you can't do this from just anywhere <laughs> yeah. in the world, correct? <laughs> You're not doing any virtual wholesaling, correct? <laughs> no, we, we're we, not. We've um, done one. Yeah, we've done one. We helped a buddy move a single family home in Detroit, but we typically only focus on Houston because it's... There's just so many homes here, so many buyers here and investors, so that we just you know, we focus here. You know, if we felt like we if we needed to, I'm sure we, we could do it virtually, but we don't we don't really feel like we need to do that yet. Yeah. So I think it was before the interview you said that you guys are looking to to move into like a small multifamily situation. Are you gonna be staying there in the Houston area for that? Yep. Yep, yep. And so the um my mentor would actually he yeah, he's actually gonna partner with us and kinda Hold our hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's gonna hold our hand uh, for the first couple. So yeah, it'll it'll be in the Houston area. 
So you guys, in addition to learning, you guys have started actually teaching a little bit of what you've learned as well. Is that correct? Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, sort of what you're, what you're teaching people to do? Yeah. So we have two different things we do. We do like a weekend course where you kind of learn everything we know. Um, we show you every, all the processes. We give you the different um, templates and everything so you can run your own numbers, teach you the questions to ask to build your team. Basically, you get a step-by-step from A to Z on how to do a burr, a flip, or a wholesale, whatever strategy it is that you want to learn about or that we kind of decide as the best strategy for you to kind of start with. And then we have a mentorship program, which is like a hand-holding mentorship program where we literally hold your hand from start to finish. Um, So we have a couple mentees doing that, um, and we literally help you build your team, or if you're in the Houston area, you just get our team. And by working with us, a lot of our our contacts will give you like discounts and stuff because you're in the program, and we kind of establish connections with them. And then we help you find the deal, analyze the deal, get bids for the contractors, refinance, basically the whole entire process. So someone's there along with you kind of makes it a a little less scary. I always tell people, if you have doubts, and you almost always do when you're starting off, you know, just find tag along with somebody who, you know, who knows what they're doing, who's at least been through it a couple of times, because you never, you never know what you don't know until you've been through it at least once or twice. Is there anything about wholesaling, burying, or uh, flipping that people underestimate the difficulty of? I mean, I think, I think finding the deal is incredibly hard. I mean, it's, it's tough to find a good deal. And so if, if you're a, a newbie and you know, you have to try to figure out how to find the deal and then try to analyze it, if you have, if you don't have a mentor, or you don't have anybody that, that can help you, like, I mean, it can be very challenging with talking to lenders and knowing what points are and how to calculate the points and the interest. And, you know, I think after you've done it for a little bit of time, it's easy, but you know, everything going on and if you're working a full-time job and trying to figure out how to do all this, it can get very complicated. So um, I definitely think having a mentor will pay off for sure. And, uh, you know, maybe finding a niche, right? Maybe trying to focus on one or two things at a time as opposed to trying to do everything uh, will definitely help out. Gotcha. And you guys have, you're sort of carving a little bit of a niche for yourselves because Anthony, you're a former football player and you've actually, some of your, some of your partners have been pro football players, correct? I always tell people, you know, whether or not you're a, you're a doctor or an airline pilot or a professional football player, if that is like the primary way that you're earning money is you might be better off just focusing on what it is that it's your core competency and letting someone else rather than trying to learn how to be a house slipper and, you know, be a a outstanding professional football player or doctor, you know, find a way to invest, find a way, find a way to invest passively with somebody who's got the time and knowledge and expertise. Exactly. And obviously with our investors, we want to teach them as much as we can, but they just are are so busy with, you know, athletics and camp and games and film sessions that, you know, we want to make sure that they are uh, comfortable, obviously, investing with us. They obviously know that we uh, – they trust that that we know what we're doing. We want to teach them as much as we possibly can at a high level. Uh, but, yeah, I think you're exactly right. Like, focus on football and basketball. We'll handle the investing. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a call when we find another deal. So, <laughs> I think this last question. Probably. Okay. Is. All right. I'm curious. Um, this is on my mind because we're writing – 
a like a blog freebie thing. What is your guys like end goal or why are you doing this? So end goal is basically to have multifamily properties. I would love to build like a high rise, like a really luxurious high rise. So the reason why we're doing it though is because I want to make sure we have the time and the freedom to spend time with our family. So we are making cash flow. If we want to keep building, we can, but we have enough cash to cover our expenses coming in every month. I mean, there's a bunch of other benefits with real estate investing as well, like tax benefits, et cetera. But the, the reason why is because we want to make, I want to be at every single soccer game. I want to be at every single Valentine's day party, every, everything that my kids are doing. Um, and I want to spend time with them um, as opposed to nine to five and then getting to enjoy the evenings after you're exhausted from a full day of work. So and I, I, we, we love doing this. Yeah. It's, this is really fun for us. We get to do it together and it doesn't feel like work. It's like very exciting. So mm-hmm. I want to do something I love, make money, have, make money in a way that I love doing it. And then also just have time to do what we want to do. Okay. So are you, you know, the strategy you're, you're doing right now, you're, you're, you're doing a high volume of uh, deals right now. Are you trying to, sort of build yourself a capital stack? Yeah. So we set a goal um, to make a hundred thousand dollars in three months. Um, so we could basically build our savings up. So we had, we felt comfortable with that's, that's our savings goal. And so we did that. We were doing wholesale splits to reach that goal. And now we really want to focus on building like the rental portfolio part by having multifamily. So the rental portfolio will basically be our cash flow. So we have our monthly expenses covered, but we also have this, this savings account that should anything happen, we have something to fall back on. Well, Anthony and Sarah, say, thank you so much for sharing with us today. You've got uh, you've got your Instagram account, which looks fantastic. I, I may hire you to do ours. Uh, <laughs> they don't Sarah. have time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. That's true. Uh, if any of our listeners want to reach out to you and find out more about what it is you're doing, what would be the best way for them to do that? Instagram is probably the best. It's the gare.real estate. Uh, it's just, it's gare.real estate, correct? Yeah. G-A-I-R. Gotcha. Dot real estate. All right. Yep. All right. We'll, we'll put that in the show notes. Thanks for chatting with us today. You bet. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah. We enjoyed it. All right. You guys have a great day. You too. Appreciate Thank it. you. Okay, that was Anthony Gare and Sarah Witz from Gare.realestate on Instagram. I highly recommend you go and check out their feed. She does a really great job of, of making it a cohesive feed. Why do you assume it's her? She said it was her. Okay. <laughs> I missed that part. <laughs> it does have a feminine quality to it. It's really pretty. It is really pretty. Do you have a lesson learned? Yes. Don't forget to estimate holding costs. Uh, a lot of people, when they're buying a burr or a flip or, or whatever, uh, you forget to calculate the amount of money it's going to take you to hold it. We, I actually I did a pretty good job on our first deal uh, doing that. But you always, you know, it's, it's a little hard to figure out. You got to figure out, you know, what's, what's your cost of money? Are you spending money on interest? Uh, you got to turn on the water. You got to turn on the electricity. You know, you got to pay the taxes during that period, you know, insurance, all those things. And a lot of people kind of forget about that. Um, so don't forget to factor in holding costs, especially if you're doing a flip. Um, if you're doing a burr, you know, I mean, you can, it may mean you leave a little bit more money in the deal if you forget. But if you forget on a flip, you're going to lose money. I think the idea of 
if you've got some money into to invest and you really don't know what you're doing to invest a little bit of that into a mentorship. It's a it is a great way to make sure that you know what you're doing so you can avoid some of those mistakes um, and just get you, you know, you don't have to spend a lot of money on good mentorship for, you know, kind of a, a burr and and flipping um, and wholesaling while time intensive don't have to be super complicated in a lot of ways if you have the systems or, you know, the team in place. So um, working with someone that already has some of those things can make it just that much easier to get started. Yep. Money. How much money did it take them to get started? That is on the other piece of my paper. So <laughs> sorry. Well, I just happened to have flipped over to that piece of paper. Okay. So, All right. $6,000. Um, they, um, their first deal was it had an ARV of $145,000. They bought it for 93. They put about a hundred sorry. They put about 15,000 into it. All of that was through a hard money lender. And that $6,000 was basically their holding costs. So that's a, I think that's a great first deal. And they said it was the easiest one. So <laughs> <laughs> first time's a charm. All right. Uh, knowledge. Uh, he paid for, uh, they paid for a mentorship and they really just did, you know, they said just kind of a weekend boot camp is what they did, but I think it allowed them to network with somebody who continues to mentor them because they kept on mentioning that. And then as far as the knowledge that she said was really important for them to come away with was just how to, how to analyze a deal yeah. um, from the ARV to the rehab costs, to the holding costs, yeah. all those things. I yeah. think it's really Which circles back around. How did they know those? Cause they did a weekend course on yeah, numbers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it also, it's something people should be doing on a regular basis. You should, if you have an interest in this, you should be find an online calculator. Bigger pockets has one. Uh, there's other ones that are totally free. I think bigger pockets, you got to pay for a, a membership to have access to it, but an, just analyze deals, just, you know, create a spreadsheet for yourself, whatever it takes to just constantly be looking at a deal. And, and so that you can get to the point where you can very quickly look at a deal and know whether or not that's mm-hmm. going to work for what you're trying to do. Time. <laughs> now, it's my, now it's my turn to not be on the right page. All right. So time, it's a, another full-time job for them right now currently they're young they're working from home they don't have kids not you know not that doesn't mean they're hard workers they're obviously both highly motivated and and, but i can i can speak from experience that once you have kids and and you get to be a little older it you don't have quite that much energy (laughs) (laughs) well also i mean when you have another person you you have to spend time with said other person and like feed them and stuff But, you know, their goal is to reduce those. And I think, you know, that's something that you can keep keep in mind if you have less time that you may need to have a bigger team, have a a deeper mentorship with someone that has the systems already put into place to make it a little bit less time consuming. There was another word that I was active, active. That's the word. Um, A little bit more active. You know, someone that can help you can help you pacify some of that a little bit, which is their goal, but they have the opportunity of youth and, and yes. that kind of stuff. I don't even know how old they might be. They look pretty young. Yeah. Uh, location. Is this something that they could do from anywhere in the world? Not the way they're doing it right now. I mean, they could go to another city and do this, but yeah. they also can't, you know, when we ask that question, we look at it in two different ways. One, they're specifically working in Houston. They're not doing a lot of deals from Houston in different 
places, you know, long distance wise, they could go to other areas and do that. And they could do a little bit more long distance, but they're probably not going to be able to travel for a significant amount of time and still have this be successful without said systems. Okay. Once again, that was Anthony Gare and Sarah Witz from Gare.realestate on Instagram. Highly recommend you go check them out. We're doing this all again next week. Let's hit the road. Bye. Hey, before you go, if you like the show, we would be delighted if you'd head over to Podchaser and leave us an honest review. And do let us know why you like the show, how long you've been listening, and in particular, what you find really useful or entertaining. And let us know if there's anything you think we should change. Also, if you have specific questions about real estate investing, especially self-storage or short-term rentals, shoot us an email at info at roadtofamilyfreedom.com and we'll be happy to answer your question on the show. We might even turn it into an entire episode. Thanks for listening. We're doing this all again next week. Until then, safe travels on your road to financial freedom. La 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 la. La 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 la. All right. In this episode, we talked to Anthony and Sarah about how they got into their first Burr property. For sorry, I didn't read ahead. <laughs> yeah. Who are you? We already did that. If she's a magician, <laughs> then she can put that in. Okay. All right. I'm Brittany. And I'm Neil. And this is the Rondo Family Freedom. <laughs> bye bye. Do you have a question? No. Go ahead. Just go. Just go. <laughs> we do this every once in a while. Sorry. <laughs> I have not been on an interview in a little while because we have a six-year-old. And so a lot of times I'm like doing homeschool with him or yeah. trying to, to make that work. So sorry. Our, our like, flow is a little off. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, all right. So that was our child. <laughs> He went, he took the dog for a walk and there's no poop bags. He's like, I took her for a walk, but she pooped in the neighbor's yard and I can't pick it up. <laughs> He's very concerned. He wants to be like a good neighbor, which is great, but <laughs> like to wait. Okay.